Hello, my name is Tate Cornell, and I'm from Washington, and my parents won't let me listen to I Doubt It With Allmore because he f***ing cusses too much. <laughs> the following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, episode 396. Can you believe it? Of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. And seated across from me, within arm's reach today, mm-hmm. the lovely, talented, and scholarly co-host, Brittany Page. Hey, that's me. I was going to say um, assertive champion of women. Oh, God. Uh, because of what happened yesterday evening. Uh-huh. You know, I admire you for many, many reasons, Brittany Page. I admire you, but... Last night you displayed in this in this era. I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. Now I'm now I'm moving in closer. Um, uh, As in this era of Me Too, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of talk. Like if you're at a bar and you hear your buddy talking like a sexist jerk off, you call him out on it. If people are acting inappropriately in an aggressive manner toward women, mm-hmm. do something about it. Don't just sit on your hands. And then last night, you did just that. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't witness. I mean, I didn't hear everything that was said because we were in a very loud beer hall type atmosphere. Okay, if we're gonna talk about it, let's talk about it. So I, <laughs> talking... I know we were gonna do something different. We were gonna. We got liquor, booze yeah, from yeah. Uh, Nigerian booze. Yeah, yeah. And but I, I kind of want to talk about this. Okay, so. We were we were at a bar and we were drinking. Um, I as was, as people do. I was not drunk though. I just want to clarify. <laughs> um, and there was uh, two. There were two men at the table next to us, and it was me, Jesse, and another female friend. And um, these two men had a dog that was very poorly behaved and Jesse biting people. Yeah. Jesse went to pet it and it like tried to bite you. Mm -hmm. And then the friend that we were with tried to pet the dog as well. And it tried to bite her. And one of the, the guys said, Oh, don't worry about it. He even does that with supermodels or he, he even tries to bite supermodels. Right. And I heard that and I I was like, um, did I hear that right? Did yeah. he mean it like that? I, I kind of, I didn't know. I was, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? So I continued with my day. <laughs> um, <laughs> with your day. And at one point, the friend that we were with said, I just heard them say there's a bunch of bitches at this bar. And at one point they said something about how there's a bunch of bitches they want to pet at the bar. Or something. So, yeah. so they were talking disparagingly about women. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, no, I heard that comment right the first time. And I had a clearer picture of what was going on. So I'm... They were also being a little grabby. 
Yeah, so it kept escalating, kept getting worse. So then, like, attractive women were walking by them, and they would, like, grab their arm and try to get their attention. So I'm watching all this happen, and I'm just staring at them getting more angry. And, um, and by the way, let me let me give the layout. We were, like, at a giant picnic table, mm-hmm. and we're at the very end of the picnic table, and right next to the so very too close it, was their yeah. little round table. Yeah. And it was the two dudes. So they were they were... It wasn't like across the bar, or across the room. They were right in our space. Right. So I tell the table, because um, at this point, two other women had joined us at our table, and they were disturbed by the situation as well. And I told everybody, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom, and I'm going to talk to these guys. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> um that, that is exactly how it went down, too. And I don't want to get into what I said specifically because it's not good for the podcast. But um, you can go ahead and say what you witnessed. It's, it's not good for the podcast or it's not good for you, maybe. Because you're that's afraid a, yeah. that it's inappropriate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I said some very not, not so, nice so things. So here, here, here's what I witnessed. You headed over toward the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And on the way, it was an abrupt stop. You you were at least as tall as both these dudes, maybe more. Mm-hmm. And you you towered over them. They were seated. You leaned in, like arms down on the table, mm-hmm. and you. There was no joviality mm-hmm. on your face. It was a serious moment, and there was finger pointing mm-hmm. at both of them, mm-hmm. and they they looked shocked with silence yeah they did not say anything to me although well i'll kind of tell you not what even I said. smirky yeah one of them smirked so i'll tell you what happened so i'm not going to get into what i said specifically but i started <laughs> off by saying um i heard what you said to my friend about the dog and the supermodel i repeated it back to them and when i repeated what he said back to him he smiled and i said you can't treat people like that. You can't talk to people like that. And then I described it with an expletive. <laughs> and um, at one point, one of them said, I'm a Trump supporter. Yeah, which that's, I did want to mention that. It is. It kinda, was very weird. It's one of those situations where it's like someone's being racist and like, nah, Donald Trump's president. It's like, what? Are we talking politics now? Or yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Bringing up Donald Trump. So I, I, I we had some words and um, <laughs> you had some words. They yeah. really heard your words. Yeah. And they didn't they didn't say anything back. So other than right. that. So um, but I it makes me uncomfortable talking about it because um, I, I struggle with this part of myself being someone who's not afraid of confrontation. And yeah. Um, a lot of it is because of the way that I was raised and my parents are wildly flawed. We know that. Um, (laughs) but one of the things that my mom always modeled for me was, um, strength, even in the face of like harassment in public and, um, and standing up for yourself and others. Yeah. Um, and so I always felt like that was something that I could do and that that was something I could do for other people. Um, and in this moment, I just, I was looking around and I'm like, are they just going to continue like this and no one's going to say anything? Well, then I guess I'm going to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I did. But I still struggle with it because I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like being white trash or something. Um, uh, maybe, <laughs> listen, maybe it's just the aggressive dude in me, but I don't think it was bad in the slightest. In fact, I believe that if more people 
had it in their head that they might get called out while in the process of acting poorly, mm-hmm. that fewer people would act like assholes. Mm-hmm. If you think there's a chance you're going to get called out, I think it would curb people's uh, dickishness. Yeah, and I don't... Who knows if they're going to change, right? If their behavior will be different in public. I'll tell you what, their behavior changed for that night. Yeah. And for our for our situation, um, that's what mattered. Yeah, that's true. Um, so even if it was temporary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and also I think it, I think it's good. Like the the women that I was with at the table, I think we all felt empowered together. Even though I was the one that went over there, it was still like we all kind of collectively felt empowered by what happens. And I think that's good too. Sometimes we just need to know yeah. that we're capable of doing that, and we don't just have to stand by and accept it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was, I mean, I wasn't like shocked by it because I know you. Yeah. I wasn't uh, like, oh, I can't believe that happened. I I kind of expected it to happen. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm always impressed by it. I think it's uh, beautiful. It's awesome. Everyone should aspire to be a little bit more like Brittany Page. <laughs> well, thanks for saying that. <laughs> Even though I feel uncomfortable right now. <laughs> It was the first thing you said this morning, was concerned about it. It was clear it had been on your mind yeah. all night and then into the morning. Yeah. And yeah. I think that I think a lot of that is, is societal pressure, probably, because I don't think men feel bad after they check someone. They're not like, oh, should I have said that? Oh, did I act too? Whatever. You know, they're just, yeah. no, I checked that guy, and now he's he's done behaving like that. Um, <laughs> now he's done behaving like that. So I, I struggle with it. I struggle with it. There's part of me that's like, no, it's good. You should do that. Totally good. And then there's part of me that's like, Ugh, are you? Well, I think your self unassurity, that's not a word, but you're you're not totally self-assured about it. Yeah. Um is good. I mean, you're thinking about it. It's not you're you're not settled in your mind that this is the way it is. You you're deliberating probably before it happened, right after it happened, and on into the next few, several hours, you're still thinking and deliberating, was that okay? Right. Yeah. That's that's a good sign. That's better than better than me. So. Yeah, but I think I was also primarily motivated because you know they're hurting people, and yeah. that was evident. And that's that's not okay. So good times. <laughs> it was good times. Yes. So what 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 do you want to do here? Well, I think we're gonna try this this drink that you mentioned. Let's do that. This. Um, Nigerian bitters. I. It's not bitters like bitters you put in a drink, though. Like you could have put, put a couple dashes in. Apparently, it's. Have me a shot glass there. It's something that you drink. Getting bossed around. Yeah, you are. Uh, first of all, we got this from Jen in Long Beach, mm-hmm. who it was born in Nigeria, mm-hmm. and uh, it. Uh, it's not like bitters that you just like splash or sprinkle in a drink. It's. Uh, Apparently something that people just, she was saying, walk around drinking it. Yeah. 30% alcohol. Perfect. I'm only going to do like half a shot glass because I don't. uh, Same for me. Same for me. It has like an antiseptic taste, which you (laughs) tend to like. (laughs) And. uh, Perfect. Let me smell it here. It's got some fruit notes, apparently. Yeah. It smells like oranges. Yeah, and uh, we'll see. So anyway, it's called or- Origin, O-R-I-J-I-N. Hold that up to the camera. 
those of you who are listening tomorrow, today for you, <laughs> you don't get to see it. So, let's... Uh, I took a sip. Yeah, that is fucking terrible. <laughs> that is... That is... Mm. um. It's like orange black licorice. Holy wow. It's uh, it, orange black licorice, not sweet. No. Mm-hmm. Very bitter. B- bitters <laughs> is a good name for that. They, uh, they, did, they did well. I wouldn't say it's terrible. The people that are walking around drinking it, they're more capable than I me. I think there's a reason they're just like, this is, you're drinking this if you really want to get... Uh, Get somewhere quick, if you know what I mean. Well, there's definitely more tasty things that you could be drinking. We'll say that. We'll say that. Okay. It's good. We love it, though. Thank you so much. Well, I love sampling uh, regional and international stuff. Yeah. Um, Nikki, our our beautiful uh, listener from the Netherlands, Mm -hmm. who passed recently, she was the first one to send us a bottle yeah. of what we were calling schlubba I don't know how to... We don't know how to say it. That's how we say Strobel it. Strobel or yeah, something. Yeah, That was local to there, there in, there in the Netherlands. Even right. like her local. And then um, Chartan, yeah. Bob uh-huh. from, from uh, Norway, <laughs> yeah. who lives in Sweden, yeah. sent us another bottle, mm-hmm. something that's kind of like this in that kind of medicinal, yeah. you know, like soaked hay... In a hot barn in water or something. <laughs> anyway, that's, but Jen, thank you for the for the booze. Yes, thank you so much. I think this would be better mixed with something. Oh, definitely. Than drinking it straight. Definitely. So also with ice. Also with ice. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be way better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much better. Mm-hmm. Also dilute it. <laughs> Too strong. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get to some voicemails. We have uh, we've debuted the, the new intro music. Yes. That was just as much a surprise to us as it was to you guys. Yeah. We didn't ask for it or mm-hmm. anything. You know, I, I was... Just a beautiful gift. Perfectly happy with the old. Uh, I love the new. I still love the old. Yeah. I have an emotional, you know, personal connection yeah. to the old music. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, uh, we did solicit comments about it, and uh, we we got one. Hey, Britt and Jesse. This is Aaron. You guys invited comments on your new intro. So I was just going to let you know that my first impression was a frightening feeling that I was getting ready to praise Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. You guys do whatever you want with that information, but uh, enjoying the show. Uh, new intro aside. Thanks, guys. New intro aside. You know what? How dare you, sir? <laughs> I. It's been it's been very interesting to get the different perspectives because someone tweeted us and said that Dan, the person who made it, put a little funk on it. Okay, mm-hmm. so someone thought it was funky. Yeah, and uh, Aaron, right? He he, That's right. he thinks it is Jesus music. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> when I think about what we look to you tonight, makes me wanna Uh-oh. praise Jesus. Here we go. Above the singing, God, above the music. It is more something like oh this. My God. I was raised on music like this. Yeah. There's something very characteristic about worship music, about praise music, about Christian contemporary music in general. And I really hope to illustrate exactly what I'm talking about with this particular song and the others that will be to come. Here I am, down on my knees. 
Oh god. <laughs> How much of this are you gonna play? Well, no, I'll stop it. I, it is definitely the the intro music is definitely not that. Listen, I don't. I mean, I'm getting. We're getting ready to make fun of contemporary Christian music, but I don't want people to get pissed off who listen and you know are, are believers because I still have a a, a deep fondness for gospel music yeah. or for Christian. Like even Christmas music, I bitch and complain mm-hmm. when it's all jingle bells and goddamn Frosty the Snowman. Because, you want the Jesus yeah, Christmas music. I want, Christmas is about Christ. That's just the way it is. Uh-huh. And I like the Christ being put back in Christmas, Brittany. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Who knew? But I don't get, I don't understand this particular, I, I today about it because I shared that voicemail with him. And he was, we were talking about Christian music and he used the term, there's no hard edges everything's soft and easy and yeah pillowy you know even the vocals i mean it it is a weird (laughs) a weird breathy kind of a thing in every single worship song every church set of music Yeah, the breathy singing. Yeah, it's... I, I think I could make it um, as a Christian, contemporary Christian vocalist. Because <laughs> you don't need to be able, you don't have to sing you don't from need your... to be good. Yeah, you don't have to sing from your <laughs> diaphragm. You just like vaguely sing. They're all this way. Listen, it's, oh, here's an upbeat one. I wonder if they're going to do that weird breathy thing. What do you think the chances are? Gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Aaron from Oklahoma, that is what should make you want to beat some feet, raise your hands in the air. Yeah. Praise Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to hear more about what specifically he feels is Jesus-y about it, but we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you for the call, for sure. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about we're going to put a, a pin in this. We're going to put a period on this conversation we've been having. The same conversation that has caused us to lose a tremendous amount of, of Patreon support, shockingly enough. Um, but we are going to end this today. We got a couple voicemails on it. It's not going to take a ton of time. Here we go. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Marissa McCool. Um, just calling in to say that I doubled my pledge to your show because of the conversation you were willing to have about Sam Harris. Not necessarily because I agree with you, which I do, but because you're willing to have it in the first place despite the crap you know you'll take for it. And trust me, as someone who, you know, obviously is a trans person, after the election, a lot of us were looking to our quote-unquote atheist leaders, and we saw people like Bill Maher telling us, you know, boutique issues, and we saw people like Sam Harris pretty much saying that it was our fault because we got too much attention, and having people like Jordan B. Peterson on who would do anything they could to delegitimize our very existence. So I just said, I don't like him. I didn't say deplatform him. I didn't say he should be blacklisted. I just said, I don't like him. And you would have thought I said, string him up in the streets. And the same thing happens anytime. Most trans people say they don't like someone because they say shitty things about trans people. 
or, you know, whatever. So I just wanted to send my support because it's important. And if we can't have critical thoughts and ideas about people, then they've been deified. And what the hell is a skeptic movement if you can't criticize anyone or say that they're wrong ever? That's, you know, my personal opinion of Sam Harris aside, if we can't question them, it's become a religion. And that's why I don't associate with the movement too much anymore either. So love you guys. Thank you. God kind of d- defeats the purpose of being a, a godless atheist, uh, a deity free belief system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're, if you uh, your, your, your leaders are untouchable. Yeah. And I don't think everybody holds, holds uh, Sam Harris in that high of esteem, mm-hmm. but even like, Christopher Hitchens, when he was alive, um, I think a lot of people think he's beyond reproach and can't be criticized when he had all kinds of shitty views. Hitch? Yeah. Yeah. About women. And I love Christopher Hitchens. Yeah, I love him. And he doesn't think women are funny. Right. (laughs) He went went overboard trying to to cement that position. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean you have to hate the guy or he's terrible or persona non grata, but yeah. well, you know, not everybody is at right on everything. Well, and I like how Marissa used the word deify. Um, yeah, because I I have been in my private conversations talking about Yahweh, <laughs> right? Um, like we we should be able to have these discussions, and I mean, this isn't a cult. We are. We we're supposed to be free thinkers. We're supposed to recognize when someone has flaws and it's okay to discuss that. So And change our minds when presented with new information. Yeah. And there there doesn't need to be a knee jerk protection just because you like somebody, you know? Uh and I know it's hard, but <laughs> this is the same group of people who likes to hold themselves above others and say that they're better at doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we also we got an email on the matter. That I wanted to to have read before we move on because Mark does have one more message and then this is the end of it. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm listening. This is from Holly. Hey guys, I'm listening to episode 395 and wanted to shoot you a note. It bothered me that you guys spent so much time talking about the loss of Patreon supporters. It bothered me because it obviously hurt you guys. I understand that this is money that helps the show, but that money is to support you guys keeping the conversation going. I guess I have noticed a tiny change in the show. While listening to the last podcast, I remember thinking how I was happy for you guys that you're growing bigger, interviewing more people, pondering who you'll be interviewing in a year, remembering when you guys talked about how cool it was that you had a listener in another country. (laughs) I'm happy that the podcast is doing so well. Any change that's happening is growth. And if people are dropping because you don't agree with every opinion they have, fuck them. Keeping the conversation going is said in every episode. The conversation is most important when we don't agree. I'm a small dollar contributor, but I signed up because I appreciate the conversation, including ones I've disagreed with. So I'm sorry you lost money, but you lost money from people who are the exact opposite of what what you preach on every episode. I don't think you'll lose money in the long run. The only thing I worry about is your safety, putting so much out there for the world. But you've handled well the issues you've shared. The whole thing has to be a roller coaster on so many levels, but you guys are kicking ass. Side note, the only other time I've emailed, I mentioned the podcast name was listed weird and it bugged me. 
you changed it the very next episode. Thanks for that. I didn't think it was possible or that you'd take the time for something so small if you could. You guys rock. It takes balls to put your opinions out there. Stay safe. Keep doing what you're doing. Know what you both bring to the table is appreciated by many. Holly. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Holly, for the sentiment and also for your continued Patreon support. I I don't want this to come across like we're whining and complaining that we lost um, money. For sure. Because it's really not that. For me, it's the overarching theme that someone would... It's almost like abandoning the show. I mean, if they're going to stop giving, are they going to continue to listen? Because... Yeah. I don't know. It just... it's. it doesn't like hurt my feelings. I don't want to sound like me, me, like whiny about it, but it is. Uh, I don't know. It's, you know the one thing we, we touched a nerve with someone you don't like, and then all of a sudden we're we've been given the axe. Well, it's yeah, it's, it's a little sensitive. It's also not fun to feel like you may have offended people. For That's sure, less that for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Let's let's get to Mark here finally, and. Uh, then we'll put this thing to bed. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Mark, the mailman from Elmhurst, Illinois. And first thing I want to say is that I apologize for my last voicemail. I know it was quite quiet, almost to the point where it was creepy. Um, full disclosure, I was trying to record that in the living room while my wife and two-year-old son were sleeping just a short distance away. So... That's why that happened. Um, but no, I, I do I do love you guys, and I wanted to say to the people who have uh, relinquished their Patreon support of you guys because of some of the things you've said, or if that's because you thought they thought you were too aggressive towards me or something, I, I would just encourage them to give you guys their goddamn money back. And I think I've told you before, too, that I would be supporting if I didn't um, have a a young child who might need to go to college one day, but, um, anyways, so, yeah, I, I do love you guys, I'm not offended at all by what you said, and just for the listeners, uh, we have gone back and forth in the DMs, me, Jesse, Brittany, um, and it's gotten personal, it's gotten heated, but I think everything's cool now, I was actually supposed to visit them while I was out in LA last week, Unfortunately, we couldn't make that happen. I just had so much to see and so little time, unfortunately. But let me, there's so many things now between the last few episodes and I could spend all day saying that, you know, I said this and you guys said this and this is wrong and there's too many things. So let me focus on one thing, which is Brittany's main concern. And I understand that I might have misunderstood it the first time. So I think what it is, is a straw man, essentially. Um, I know that's like a buzzword, like nuance or problematic or, but it is, it is fallacious and this is what it is. So Brittany has clarified that her concern actually is that Sam Harris fans want to talk about this, this difference in IQ. And it's almost like you're assuming or or implying that Sam Harris fans walk around with a copy of the bell curve. And show it to people and say, hey, look at this paragraph. See that? White people are the smartest. Of course, that's not what they do. I, I of course, don't do that. Oh, and while we're on the topic of Sam, let me clarify. <laughs> don't think he's infallible. There's things he said that I disagree with. Um, so 
man, I think I, I pretty much just crushed it in under three minutes. <laughs> Let me just uh, recap. Anyone who took their support away, give your support back. And if you disagree with them, call in and voice your opinions. All right. See you later. Love you. Keep up all the good work. Seriously. Bye. Okay. So uh, we have a clip that we want Mark to hear. <laughs> in general, the mean IQ of black people is less than that of white people. Now, if you don't like that conclusion, then feel free to do the decades of research to disprove it. But mm. just because you don't like the conclusion doesn't mean that the facts aren't true. Oh, okay. Now, I know you're probably not carrying the book around and, and uh, pointing out the paragraph, but you definitely called the show and that's immediately where you went. So, Well, let me also say this. Why wasn't it... Um because part of the, the research that, uh, that Charles Murray did in the bell curve is not just that blacks and whites have different IQs. Why didn't Mark say that uh, the mean, on average, white people have lower IQs than Asians? Right. Well, why wasn't that it? Why is it the black versus white right. and not just the, the, the scale that, that is really talked about in, in the differences in IQ between races, period. Wow, it's only it's almost like you know what my question has been the entire time that hasn't changed <laughs> or been clarified. Um, because, again, my whole point was, and that clip that we just played was from his first voicemail when he called, um, the, the weird thing about this conversation is that there isn't an in-depth discussion of the research. It's only that one talking point yeah. that gets repeated in the Twitter replies in voicemails from Mark to the show. Yeah. And so that's what my question has been the entire time is why? Why does that need to be trotted out and put out there all the time? Like, that's what I mean about the way it is said or even the the amount of times it's been brought up in the Twitter replies. Like, I'm going to make you listen to it and I want to hear you say yeah. that that's science and it's done. It's also, you know, it's a weird impulse. It's also got a real fucking Ben Shapiro stank on it. Facts don't care about your feelings, snowflake. Is he the you one know? that says that? Yeah. 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 So, we, we are very happy about this and we've gotten voicemails thanking mark um for or one voicemail thanking mark um for calling in and sharing his his thoughts um <laughs> because it, it did lead to a discussion where other people could call in and share their thoughts sure. and it, it did it led to discussion it is it's the conversation right I, look and let me, let me say this for the record i in no way absolutely do not think mark is a racist or has uh, prejudice in his motivations for talking about it. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't think Mark is alt-right or alt-light. I think Mark has just kind of uh, maybe gotten caught up in this free speech thing that people are so, like Sam Harris. I don't really care about race, race, race and, and IQ at all. I don't care about that. What I really care about is free speech. And I, I had to have him on the show because he was getting shut down because I'm the champion of free speech for the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Ugh. And then when you catch shit about it, I'm being attacked. Yeah. So we're not going to. This is the end of it. <laughs> for those of you who have wanted the end of it to come three episodes ago. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. So I think I smashed it in under three minutes. That's right. Yeah. You smashed it. Yeah. Well, let's give let's give Mark the last word, though. Okay. In general, the mean <laughs> IQ of black people is less than that of white people. Now, if you don't like that conclusion, then 
feel free to do the decades of research to disprove it. But just because you don't like the conclusion doesn't mean that the facts aren't true. You're welcome, Mark. We love you, brother. <laughs> All right. Uh, next voicemail off the topic. Hey, guys, it's Carissa. So I was listening to the last episode where Ted Nugent was the asshole of the day. And let's face it, he could be the asshole of every day. And at first, I thought he was just saying some ridiculousness like he does. But then once he started getting into the racism stuff and the communist stuff. Um, oops, sorry, I had to slow down there. There's a copper. <laughs> uh, so anyway <laughs> Jesse you can edit that out Nope um, <laughs> When he started talking about the communist My question to him would be Now That his his beloved Donald Trump Is uh, the commander in chief Or the king With all of the guns um, uh, But he's in you know, he's, you know He's in bed with Putin And the Russians and he let the Russians hack the fuck out of our electoral system and doesn't see a problem with it and is basically only holding them any kind of accountable when his feet are totally held to the fire. Like, I'm literally surprised that we kicked Russians out of the embassy in Seattle. I'm like, I was actually shocked that we took any action just because, you know, I have fucking Trump PTSD or whatever, like with the rest of the country. But anyway, how does that not make Trump a, like, communist, pinko, whatever else he was calling uh, uh, Barack Obama. So that would have been my question to him, but I wouldn't probably go through the lengths of actually having a conversation with him because I, my brain is going to explode just now listening to that little bit. Not that I want to live in an echo chamber, but people that disagree with you, that's one thing, but people that are just completely ignorant to all of the facts, I don't think that they deserve being engaged in intellectual conversation or even conversation of trying to find a way forward for the country in general. Um, that's all I have, and I love the show, and Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. <laughs> Double dose there. Yeah, thank you, Carissa. Um, I... I tend to agree, although what concerns me about people like Ted Nugent is that he has like a following and he goes on Fox News shows that have millions of viewers. He's also a board member of the NRA. Right. And so even though when we hear him talk, it's very difficult to take him seriously because he's so ridiculous. He speaks their language. He speaks to them, though, to their to their very the fiber of their being. He's speaking. to Yeah. Them. And there's yeah. there's how many people. I don't know how many people that when they hear him speak feel like he's really making sense and saying very legitimate things. So he was on the Alex Jones show. Yeah. Again, NRA board member going on with Alex Jones. Yeah. Come on. How disreputable can you be publicly? Like just not even caring about it. Yeah. Well, well, even Donald Trump has had like nice yes. things to say about Alex Jones. He so, went on his show. Yeah. Anyway, um, what did he say? This week he said this. Yeah. He said, uh, don't ask why. Just know that evil dishonesty and scam artists have always been around and that right now they're liberal, they're Democrat, they're rhinos, they're Hollywood, they're fake news, they're media, they're academia, <laughs> and they're half of our government at least. So come to that realization. There are rabid coyotes running around everywhere. You don't 
wait till you see one to go get your gun. Keep your gun handy, and every time you see one, you shoot one. Wow. Now, what does that mean? I mean, he's advocating violence against Democrats, the media. Go through that list again. Liberal. Liberals. Democrat. Democrats. Rhinos. Rhinos means Republican in name only. So those are centrist or moderate Republicans. Probably like a John Kasich would be considered a rhino in Absolutely. Ted Nugent's eyes. Absolutely. Um, Hollywood. Okay. Uh, um, actors in Hollywood. Fake news. Th- that just means the media. But that he adds means, media as well. Yeah, that means the constitutionally protected free press. Media. Um, academia. Professors in colleges, those are the individuals that it's us against them. And you need to shoot them. And half of our government, at least. And half of the government also needs to be shot. Mm-hmm. This is something he said before. I actually, there is audio of what you just read, but I couldn't, I couldn't find a, a, a sufficient copy of it. Because it was in the course of Alex Jones, one of his last shows. Which is like four hours long. Yeah, it's like four. I'm not doing, I'm not, look, I love you guys, but... <laughs> not four hours of Alex Jones love mm-hmm. <laughs> to try to find that audio. Yeah. Here's something he said that's almost identical a couple years ago. Our uh, president and attorney general, our vice president, Hillary Clinton, they're criminals. They're criminals. And a guy on the radio the other day said, well, name the crimes. <laughs> About 10 minutes later, I said, have you had enough? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, who doesn't know the crimes our government is committing? So, uh, God bless you for being here. I feel a positive energy, but turn up the heat. Take this energy and this belief in freedom home with you and get everybody you know to get involved and engage because it isn't the enemy that ruined America. It's good people who bent over and let the enemy in. If the coyote's in your living room pissing on your couch, it's not the coyote's fault. It's your fault for not shooting him. So listen to that response. It's, it's an important time. So you're talking about exhibits. You're talking about hardware and ammo and everybody's fondling sporting goods and everybody's got a big old sexy grin on their face because they're surrounded by ballistic celebration. That's cool. But what I feel in this room is I feel this. I feel this. I'm not taking this crap anymore. I've about had it. Leave my damn paycheck alone. Unless you can be accountable, you get nothing. And if you take that adamant we the people defiance remember we're americans because we defied the king we didn't negotiate and compromise with the king we defied the emperors we are patriots we are braveheart we need to ride into that battlefield and chop their heads off in november am i any questions listen to that imagery that he's drawing up yeah, and the like you said, the crowd response. Yeah. Like a church sermon. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a bunch of buzzwords that are emotionally charged that really strike people. Am I supposed to be saying coyote, by the way? Coyote. Is, why is he saying it like that? Because he's Ted fucking Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and... Good-looking listeners like you, by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. 
If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. So I'm going to start with the people who have upped their pledge first. All right. Patrick. Patrick. Catherine. Catherine. Marissa and Bethany. Marissa and Bethany, thank you guys so much. Who doubled their pledge. Awesome. Candice. Candice. Oh, and Tamisha. And Tamisha. Yes. Okay. And now the new Patreon supporters, Kevin. Kevin. William. William. And Zach. And Zach. Yes. That is awesome. Beautiful. Uh, it, it is It is wonderful that you guys have... Uh, Stepped up in the in the in the void here that, that was created by our <laughs> our talking about things that piss people off. Uh, we are still <laughs> we're still behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it was quite the hit, but that's okay. Yeah, we, we, like, like like Holly like said. Holly said, we're absolutely going to make it back. I'm not worried about it. We're going to print out Holly's email and carry it in our wallets. Yes, and we'll take it out when we start feeling bad. Yes. <laughs> So here's what I want to do, though. I had this thought today, and I ran it by Brittany, and she likes the idea. So I think we're going to have a... I don't think. We're going to have a contest. Yes. Of our Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to do is next week, this coming Friday, we're going to send an email out to every Patreon supporter. And those who want to take part in the contest... Uh, we'll email us back, we'll put all their names, we'll assign a number to each of their names, mm-hmm. and then we'll draw a number randomly. Yes. We'll, I'll figure out a way to do it that it's fair. But the contest is, we're going to have one of our Patreon supporters on as a guest host with us Yes. for a full episode. How fun does that sound? But you have to be on Patreon. So we're going to give those who aren't on Patreon until Friday, because right. that's when the email will go out. The 13th. The 13th, Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I think that'll be fun. Yeah. So it's not if you don't want to do it, just don't respond to the Patreon email. Right. But if you want your name thrown in the hat, then you can respond to that email. Yes. Yeah. So if you're not on Patreon, now's the great time. Yep. If you're interested in... Enter the contest. Having a, if you're local, we'll have you in studio. Yeah. Or if you make it here. Right. <laughs> If you want to pay for a trip, then we can have you in studio. If not, we'll do it like over Skype like yeah. we do normally. Audio only Skype. That is awesome. We we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, you can also buy merch, dollamore.info. You can buy stuff on Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon. We, uh, we appreciate everything you guys do for us. It is a beautiful thing. Helping us move the conversation forward episode by episode. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, I wanted to kind of play this this coming up clip after directly after the the Ted Nugent stuff because there is this very prevalent attitude among your cultural figures, mm-hmm. like like Ted Nugent, but also. <laughs> Pat Robertson. Yep. Everybody's favorite. He's my favorite, let me tell you. Pat Robertson said some just... I mean, there's really nothing that should come out of his mouth that's shocking to anyone. No. 
But I mean, uh, if he were to say something loving and kind, right. that would be quite shocking. If he was Christ-like in the slightest bit, yeah. it would be the most shocking development of the century. Like if he put some <laughs> words together in a sentence that were logically sound, that would be, right. holy shit. I yeah. think we would all be very surprised. So he, he, just listen, I mean, it's, it is seriously a, a damaging personality who wants to be this divisive. There's no doubt there's been a, a leftward bias in the media. Good grief. Everyone, every uh, editorial board, every reporting uh, department uh, tends so strongly toward a leftward bias in politics. And of course, the schools are just appalling what's happening. I mean, I went to Yale Law School. Dear me, that place has gone so far to the left. It is unreal. And uh, <clears throat> who knows? It, it used to be, you know, Timothy Dwight, people like that were great men of faith. The, the Princeton and Yale and Harvard was set up as a trading ground for ministers. Long, long way back in the history, no longer. So what are you going to do? Terry, I'm, I'm, I'm reading. Uh, Kevin Sorberg brought me some scripts. Mm -hmm. So I, I just finished reading some scripts. Oh, God. Got one I think will make a pretty good movie. I'm going to talk to Kevin and see what he thinks. We've we got to make some more movies. I mean, he's done a great job, but we need more. There are people out there who are yeah. entering the arena and making their voice heard. We just had a guest last week, the Unholy Trinity, that had mm -hmm. a lot to say about culture and what's happening. Well, and we, we need to We have to things. do it. And people yeah. are interested. They, they're, they're, after all, when you get right down to it, Christians still are the overwhelming majority majority in this country. And, you know, we have given the ground to a small minority. You figure lesbians, 1% of the population, homosexuals, 2% of the population. That's all. That's statistically all. But they have dominated, dominated the, the uh, media. They've dominated the, the cultural uh, shift. And uh, they, they have infiltrated the major universities. It's just unbelievable what's being done. So um, a tiny, tiny minority makes a huge difference. So the minority, the majority is time. It wakes up. Who does that sound like, Brittany Page? It kind of reminds me of Ainsley Earhart. What about this country? the majority? Okay, the so majority. tired of protecting the minority. Yeah, that's the one. It is just... Fox and Friends genius, Ainsley Earhart. Fox and Friends. Friends of whom, we're really not sure. Donald I, well, I think, Trump. I think we know, yeah. Um, but that this is something we're, we're facing right now. And Donald Trump is getting his information from these morons. Mm-hmm. The other day on Fox News, Ainsley Earhart had to look up the definition of oligarch <laughs> and read it from her phone live on the goddamn air. Saying, like, have you ever used the word oligarch before, uh, the last, before the last few months? It is a ruler in an oligarchy, which doesn't explain much, but a very rich business leader with a great deal of political influence. So ah, what, what is happening? Well, well, so she was literally looking at her phone. She was yes. reading that from her phone. Like, she opened the dictionary app on her phone. And in the middle of an interview, <laughs> shamelessly does that. Read the definition. And Donald Trump. Well, I'm sure that that was actually helpful for many viewers and that she felt like she was doing a service, right? Well, she can't just explain it. She has to actually read the It's. I mean, she probably didn't know how to define the word oligarch. Yeah, you're right. But Donald Trump is taking, <laughs> he's taking his, 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 uh, his marching orders. 
Right. His motivation, he probably learned the words, yeah. comes from Fox and Friends, from cultural figures like Pat Robertson, like Ted Nugent, like yeah. Alex Jones. Right. Well, it's interesting to hear Pat Robertson talk about himself as though he's a victim. Yeah. While talking about how they're the majority. The overwhelming majority, right. he said. So on the one hand, they're the overwhelming majority. On the other hand, they're being dominated and oppressed. Wait a minute. What? I don't think I would. I had ever would have thought that I would have heard Pat Robertson talk about how he gets dominated by homosexuals. Mm-hmm. He's just dominated. He's by just them. admitting defeat. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just Pat Robertson. I mean, really, that we have a problem right now in this country with this weird feedback loop of Donald Trump directing policy for this nation and, by extension, the world, affecting the world. By what he sees and hears on Fox News. The story that symbolizes everything that's wrong with the Trump era. President Trump receives faulty information, then he makes impulsive decisions, and his staff has to scramble. Ask yourself, why is there so much talk about the U.S.-Mexico border all of a sudden? Why, why are National Guard troops suddenly being deployed? Well, the answer involves President Trump's favorite channel. So let's try to slow down time for a minute. Let's look at the timeline from the past week to really understand what happened here. Because the line where Fox News ends and where Trump begins is getting blurrier by the day. You have to see this timeline to believe it. Now, I think it starts right here. About a week ago, the president dining with Sean Hannity last weekend at Mar-a-Lago. The entire week of talk about immigration, including the actions at the border, seemed to be a result of the dinner that he had at Mar-a-Lago and all the other conversations the president's having with right-wing media voices that are disappointed in him, disappointed in the omnibus spending bill, disappointed in lack of border wall construction. We've heard Ann Coulter and others talking about this. But then there was this article that originally appeared in BuzzFeed, an article that created the, the propulsion for a story about caravan. Of course, this is the caravan we've seen. Now lots of news outlets are covering this caravan of Central Americans, some of whom are trying to head to the United States. Last Sunday morning, someone over at Fox and Friends spotted the BuzzFeed story and then ran with it, ran with it big time. Watch. An army of migrants marching to America and a BuzzFeed reporter is in that march with them. Okay, so here's the kicker. Did you see the time on screen? Let's zoom in on the time. We've highlighted it here. This was uh, around 6.30 in the morning Eastern time. Just 20 minutes later, the president tweeted that the border is getting more dangerous and that caravans, plural, are heading to the U.S. This feedback loop continued for days. It ping-ponged back to Fox. Fox went full steam ahead with border control coverage in primetime on Monday. Would it be possible to send the military to our border? I mean, why is this not... Honestly, why is this not a hostile act against our country? You know what? The president's instincts are correct. No more. Build the wall, militarize our southern border, and then we can have a discussion on this. The Democrats had their chance. Military, military. I wonder where the president got that idea, because the next day, this is what he said. Until we can have a wall and proper security, we're going to be guarding our border with the military. So uh, we are preparing for the military to secure our border between Mexico and the United States. And, and we've seen the rest. Uh, there are now deployments uh, happening uh, at the southern border, uh, more in the days to come. It seems that the Department of Homeland Security and other agencies are scrambling to catch up to what the president said on Tuesday. 
I say this is a symbol of everything that's wrong with the Trump era. Uh, a lack of quality information, first of all, reaching the president. He's relying instead on his Fox friends, sometimes via TV, sometimes on the phone, sometimes in person. Now, his addiction to Fox and, and to other pro-Trump commentators leads to impulsive actions. In this case, he's definitely playing to his base, stoking anti-immigrant fears, and even catching his staff off guard. Then they have to scramble to make it looks like, uh, look like he knows what he's doing. That is how we end up with the National Guard deployed to the border in what I would argue is a PR stunt. Trump wants a PR victory. He wants to give his Fox friends something to celebrate. And as a result, we're all talking about the border, a manufactured crisis. And that is a problem. But the other day, he's given a speech, and he just off the cuff starts talking about how he, we're going to withdraw from Syria. Mm-hmm. He's sick of us being there. <laughs> no one knew. No advisors knew about this. Mm-hmm. This is what he said. You'll have to forgive the, the large applause break between whatever genius thing he said before this <laughs> leading into we his remarks. We spent, and I was against it from the beginning. They try and say, well, maybe not. I was against it from the beginning. And by the way, we're knocking the hell out of ISIS. We'll be coming out of Syria like very soon. Let the other people take care of it now. Very soon. Very soon we're coming out. We're going to have 100% of the caliphate, as they call it, sometimes referred to as land. We're taking it all back quickly, quickly. Uh, but we're going to be coming out of there real soon. We're going to get back to our country where we belong, where we want to be. Normally, when a president, well, first of all, let's say this, that remember Donald Trump's the guy who I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not I'm not going to give uh, announce my military plan so they know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And then what's he do? The exact fucking thing he says he's not going to do. And who's surprised by that? Yeah. But normally when a president announces something like that, it's talked about through his national security advisor. It's talked about through Pentagon people. It's talked about through State Department channels. So everybody's on the same page. That It's a coordinated effort of diplomacy, of NGOs, of military, so we can everybody can be on the same page and coordinate efforts to do, to do it as efficiently and as effectively as possible. This was not the case with this. The next day, Heather Nauert... The former Fox and Friends host, mm-hmm. Heather Nauer, who's now the State Department spokesperson, yeah. was asked this very thing. And she got so frustrated with the questions because she doesn't have any idea that she started being snippy and shitty with the reporter. And so you're not aware of any policy de- determination to pull all to pull the U.S. out of Syria. I am not, no. Okay, no. So, the, the, so the president is just speaking off the cuff and I, making I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to refer you back to the White House. I'm not, a, I'm not aware of this. It's not comments. just the Russian. Matt, I'm not Rainey. prepared to comment on uh, what was supposedly said okay. because I've not heard it myself. I'd refer you back to the White House Can for I more. What was supposedly said. She's even calling into question whether he said it or not. Right. Well, Sarah Huckabee Sanders does this same thing where I'd have to refer you to insert 
whatever agency. insert name or agency <laughs> here right uh name of attorney or name of agency she's always i'm gonna have to refer you to this person i'm gonna have to pass the buck i'm gonna yeah. have to try to pass you off onto someone else because i don't have an answer to these questions or i'm gonna have to lie because the answer to the question would make everybody here look bad um but the the issue of being so close to fox news is problematic not only because you have people like her being appointed to positions that maybe they're not qualified to be in right yeah um i mean he's he's had dinner parties with sarah palin he's had dinner with at the white house uh rupert murdoch jesse waters matt drudge uh sean hannity and seb gorka right having having these figures to dinner and these people want to play both sides like sean hannity we talked about it probably several episodes ago where he he was offended by shepherd smith talking about how he's not a, a journalist he's a talking head or a, an entertainer and he pushed back on that saying that he breaks news he does legitimate work right well what kind of journalist is going to have a dinner, a private dinner party with the president of the United States right. with another Fox co-host? What, right. what are you doing? Yeah. You think Anderson Cooper was doing that with Barack Obama? No, Anderson Cooper doesn't even go to the White House Correspondents' Dinner because he doesn't want there to be any confusion about what his role is. Yeah. He doesn't want to get close to these people. Well, and Donald Trump isn't just, it's not like an occasional, this is like happening on the reg now. Yeah, he's these dinner parties. He's really ramping it up. Who's running the country here? Is it state-run media or is it media-run state? I mean, what 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 the fuck is going on? Well, and they're reporting that he really enjoys hosting people for dinner because uh, come, I'm the president. Come into the White House. Tell me what you're going to be saying about me on the TV yes, tomorrow. That's right. Prep me with your talking points. Do you have a printed sheet for me so I can copy it from for my tweets? <laughs> well, look to 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 further explain and demonstrate the fact that the Pentagon and these other government agencies who have experts, lifelong experts in the matters of diplomacy and war fighting and international relations to, to demonstrate that they are not on the same page as the White House. They're not getting the briefings. This entire Syria thing, which is now even more of an issue because of the recent gas attack on children, Donald Trump is not convening counsel with these Pentagon officials, and they disagree starkly about what to do in Syria. Now we go over to the Pentagon, where David Martin has the latest on the president's plan for U.S. troops in Syria. It is creating a split in his administration. President Trump wants to be out of Syria in a matter of months, which goes against military advice he received from Defense Secretary James Mattis and Joint Chiefs Chairman Joseph Dunford. The U.S. military had estimated it would take two more months of fighting to drive ISIS out of the towns it still holds along the Euphrates River Valley all that's left of the so-called caliphate. Well over 90% of the, of the caliphate that they controlled, particularly in the north and eastern portions of the country, has been liberated. But General Joseph Votel, commander of American forces in the Middle East, said offensive operations have now bogged down 
as U.S.-backed fighters have left the front lines to return to their families. Even if those last pockets of resistance are eventually eliminated, that will not produce what Votel calls a lasting victory over ISIS. The hard part, I think, is in front of us, and that is stabilizing these areas, consolidating our gains. Of course, there is a military role in this. President Trump seems determined to leave that military role and the cost of rebuilding to others, in particular Saudi Arabia, but so far without success. But it's very costly for our country, and it helps other countries a hell of a lot more than it helps us. The U.S. military had always intended to leave Syria once ISIS was defeated, but now we'll have to come up with a plan to get out sooner rather than later. Jeff? David Martin at the Pentagon, thanks. It is colossally dangerous that we have a president with a fucking childlike understanding of foreign relations. It can't be overstated. Mm-hmm. Just how insane it is. Like, you think George W. Bush was bad? God damn. This is insane. Well, one of the things you always hear people talking about is how Donald Trump is particularly moved when he sees photos. And you're hearing this again, where the experts are going on TV talking about how he tweeted about Syria this morning yeah. because he he is moved by the by the images. And it's it's just strange that he doesn't understand how how things work. Like he needs a picture book. That's right. You yeah. know, he he just doesn't understand the the terror that is happening every day in Syria. Read, um, read in a briefing until he sees pictures of Th- that's right. of that terror. His intelligence briefing, which is just words, is not evocative enough. He he has to have a photo to to motivate him. Right, and I wanna I wanna read these tweets because I. I have a point to make about them. And it's an unfortunate one. This this wasn't... Um, when I was reading these tweets, it just made me feel sad for the country. Obviously, I'm sad for Syria. Um, this is just a terrible situation. But he tweeted, Many dead, including women and children, in mindless chemical attack in Syria. Area of atrocity is in lockdown and encircled by Syrian army, making it completely inaccessible to outside world. President Putin, Russia, and Iran are responsible for backing animal Assad. Big price to pay. Open area immediately for medical help and verification. Another humanitarian crisis for no reason whatsoever. Sick. Okay? So how can we take him seriously when he calls... Like President Obama, a sick guy, sick and, or bad guy. Yeah, he's using "sick" to describe people being killed by their government, but H- then horrifically he, with 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 uh, nerve agents and shit. Right. When you see the babies and the the children in in the mix of all the the bodies, and then he calls like Joe Scarborough sick too. Yeah. There seems right. to be like an inconsistency. How there. can you take a guy like that serious? Yeah, I mean, you're 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 calling joe scarborough sick but this is also sick wait what yeah so uh, this is just uh, every time i see the tweets (laughs) 
I feel disgusted and I thought I would get used to it. I thought it would go away, but it really hasn't gone away for me. Uh, And I don't know why that is that I'm still shocked. I'm still disturbed every time I read these tweets. Well, there is one thing of this that is curious, and that is here we are 450 or whatever days into his presidency, years in since he's been running for office. And that's the first negative thing he said about uh, Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. That's the very first time something negative has come out of his mouth or fingers in this case, since it was a tweet. Yeah, it's surprising. About Vladimir Putin. Very surprising. Pretty weird. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's troubling and uh, I I just, I think more people need to be talking about it uh, because it is an alarming, dangerous situation when you have the leader of the free world taking his orders, his intelligence reports, um, his policy uh, talking points and decision-making points from what about country? the majority? Okay, the so majority tired of protecting the minority from Ainsley Earhart. Ugh. It's the asshole of today. The NFL. The NFL. Yes. National Football League. Mm-hmm. You know, we should catalog everyone that's been asshole of today. And like, so we, do we just have a list of people that we could never work for again or uh, associate with? <laughs> so gotta, I think every episode gets tagged with asshole of today. It'd probably be an easy, easy task. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the New York Times got their hands on some NFL cheerleader handbooks. And they wrote an article on the kinds of things that these cheerleaders are required to do in these handbooks. And I'm going to read a little bit from the article here to give you guys an idea. Some cheerleaders must pay hundreds of dollars for their uniforms, yet are paid little more than minimum wage. Cheerleaders must sell raffle tickets and calendars and appear at charity events and golf tournaments, yet they receive none of the proceeds. Cheerleader handbooks, seven of which were reviewed by the New York Times, include personal hygiene tips like shaving techniques and the proper use of tampons. Wait, 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 wait. Proper use of tampons? Yeah. I don't... Is there an improper use? I mean, I think... Hey, lady, get that out of your ear. That's not the right way to use that. (laughs) What does that mean? Yeah, I think that the box comes with directions on how to use it, so Mm. I'm not sure that they need to write about it in the in the handbook Douche chill. so in some cases wearing sweatpants in public is forbidden wow yeah so it's not just that they're paid a uh, little more than minimum wage they also in some cases have to arrive to the stadium on game days at least five hours early and um wow and cover their their tattoos and their body piercings and then they can't take water breaks until the team is on offense um, and they also have to be out of the stadium if they're going to change into their personal clothing. They have to be in their little outfit if they're at the stadium. So they're, they're, they're obviously their, their time and behavior is, is monitored and, and restricted while they're on the job. Right. But also while they're off the job, sweatpants. There was some stuff in there about social media or something that was weird. Right. Well, they can't have contact with the players. So if a player follows them on social media, they have to block that person and they cannot follow or talk to. They can't talk to 
the players. But um, wow. a New Orleans New Orleans Saints cheerleader was fired this year for posting a picture on um, her private Instagram account that was deemed inappropriate because they have very stringent rules for their cheerleaders, even in their they're not working <laughs> like that's their private time. That's her private Instagram account. It's weird, you know? man. Um, and it's weird because they don't seem to have this stringent of rules for their their players. Right? Yeah, you wanna you wanna whip your four year old uh, his ass and testicles with a switch like Adrian Peterson? Ah, good to go. You still play. You wanna beat the shit out of your your wife, your fiance in an elevator that's caught on camera like Ray Rice? Ah, little suspension for you. But you get fired if you post a picture to your Instagram and you're a cheerleader. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So there have been cheerleaders who are um, suing the NFL. For example, the one I just talked about that was fired for posting a picture on her private Instagram account. There are people who have filed lawsuits. And the Raiders, for example, had to pay $1.25 million in back pay hmm. for their cheerleaders. Wow. Um, so even though there have been increases in pay and some teams are trying to make improvements, there just seem to be these weird rules yeah. surrounding their behavior and even what they can do in their private time. And then there was even how they shave. Yeah. I mean, is someone evaluating that? Like, how do you, are they like rubbing the leg and going, Oh, I can tell that you shaved a certain way and it's not know. okay <laughs> I, I don't want to think about that um but apparently they like make these girls sell calendars and i was reading about this that uh before each home game the cheerleaders had to go outside the st outside the stadium and they had to try to sell their allotment of 20 calendars to fans and if they didn't sell them then they had to wander the stands between quarters trying to sell their calendars and the women who were commenting on having to do this said listen we're having to go up to drunk men yeah in their outfits and try to get them to buy the calendars and we don't want to be touched it's like hooters girl action you're like putting them in a situation yeah. where drunk men are going to try to touch them yeah. and be inappropriate and so uh I don't know. And then well, they don't get that money from just, that. It's just weird that it's it's in one way, it's super puritanical. She's not a Christian. <laughs> and then you're going to go put them in danger. And really it is that you're putting them in a in in a in not a great situation when wandering the stands to hawk the goddamn calendars. Right. Right. And and let me tell you Selling a few calendars isn't going to affect the bottom line of an NFL team, which is a multi-billion dollar operation, which is why it's weird that they're making little more than minimum wage. Right. Because this is talent. This isn't like someone who's sweeping up or doing menial labor. Right. They or audition. Unskilled. Yeah. This is this is like paying an actor. Mm hmm. Talent. Yeah, they audition. Yeah. They get selected to be on the team. It's a coveted position. Yeah, they represent the team. Yeah. And so it, it just it just seems odd that they would be treated so differently yeah. than the players because these these girls also draw eyes. For sure. They draw attention. People want to watch them dance. That's why they're there. <laughs> well, I've I've heard criticisms that we shouldn't have cheerleaders and I don't know if I would go that far because a lot of these women really want to do this. They really love this work. Mm -hmm. uh, in England, 
um, a year or so ago, they banned, maybe it was even more recently, they banned the, the uh, on like car racing. They banned um, these women promoters who dress scantily or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of a controversy hmm. having these girls. And then when they outed, they, they stopped it yeah. because of public pressure. A lot of the girls were like, hey, you know what? You took away a good job that I had. Yeah. I wanted to do this. Right. And because you don't feel comfortable, you think you're advancing the cause of women. Yeah. So I, I anyway, I'm going off on a rant. I'm going you know, uh, in the weeds here, but I'm not advocating for getting rid of cheerleaders. If there's women who want to do that, then we should empower them to make the choice to do if they want to do it. Right. But and- they shouldn't be getting fucking uh, shitty wages, though. Right. And I think that would be a ridiculous counterpoint to this if someone were to say, oh, well, we don't need them anyway. Oh, well, they shouldn't do this if they don't like being treated like that. Right, no, there sure. there should be protections in place so that people are not treated terribly at work. That's yeah. the whole point. Yeah. So. <laughs> NFL, asshole of today. Yeah. Right on. Add it to the list. Somebody's out there compiling a list right now. Perfect. All right. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We're going to leave you there. We got a couple other stories we're not going to get to because we went long. And that is okay. We will talk next week. Next week. Actually, it will be next week. On our next episode, we will talk about... You mean this week? Yeah, well, this week. It's Sunday. Monday's... This coming week. Yeah. Anyway. We're going to talk about this New York Times article, right? The Me Too thing. Washington Post. Washington Post. We're going to talk about something we've been pushing now for three episodes. <laughs> we've been meaning to talk about it. We're going to get to it at the top of the show. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you again for your loyalty and your support through Patreon or by what other means, whatever other means that you support the show. We cannot say we love you and thank you enough. You are helping build something beautiful with us, moving the conversation forward, having the tough conversations, thinking aloud in public. (laughs) We appreciate you. We would love to hear from you, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time, and until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Why is he saying it like that? Because he's Ted fucking Nugent. (laughs) 